Welcome to Dream Gardens, where we talk up the children's books we love. My name is Jody Lima, and on this twice-monthly podcast, posted on the first and third Monday of each month, I interview other kids' books enthusiasts about their own favorite children's books. Today I'm going to be interviewing Rebecca Van Slyke. Rebecca is author of the picture book Lana Lynn and the New Watchdog, and we're going to be talking about that book as well as her own favorite picture book, Ghost Cat by Kevin Atterbury. But first, I want to remind you one last time about my ongoing Halloween shorts contest, which started on September 6th. So once again, for this contest, I want you to send me your best Halloween story for children. I'll read all the stories submitted and determine what I consider the best and most Halloweenish story. If your story is picked, not only will you win a signed copy of my middle grade novel Hushabye, but I will also read your story on my October 18th Dream Gardens podcast, which is the very next one after this one. And I'll also post it on my podcast website for everyone to read. And once again, here are the rules. Uh, first, write a Halloween story for kids. Story could be anything. It can be scary, funny, sad, silly, sweet, or all those at the same time. It can even be a poem. Whatever the tone, it should have something to do with Halloween, and it should be something you could read to kids. I don't have a specific age range in mind, so write the story with whatever younger audience you would like to reach. Uh, number two, the story should be no more than 250 words. I'm not actually going to count the words, but just want to keep it fairly short. Number three, submit the story on my contact page on my podcast website, jleemont.com. You can include your name and email in the appropriate fields, and in the subject field, type Halloween Shorts. And then you can copy your story along with the story title in the message field. The deadline for submissions is October 9th, 2021 at 12 midnight Eastern Time. So that's happening just a few days from now. And the winner will be announced on my podcast on October 18th, the next podcast I have, at 10 a.m. Eastern, as well as on Twitter. I'll contact the winner in advance of that date to let them know and to request an address to send out the signed copy of Hushabye. Uh, if you have any questions about any of this, please send me a direct message through my Twitter account, which is at DreamGardensJLM. And again, if you didn't catch everything I just said, please go to jleemott.com, and there is a page there with all the instructions I just said. And I'll also post the contest instructions on my author page, jodyleemott.com. My guest today is Rebecca Van Slyke. Uh, Rebecca is author of such picture books as Mom School, Dad School, Lexi the Word Wrangler, and Lana Howls at the Moon. Her latest book is Lana Lynn and the New Watchdog. You can find Rebecca's website at RebeccaVanSlyke.com. Thank you for joining me today, Rebecca. It's a pleasure, and thanks for asking. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, your latest book is uh, Lana Lynn and the New Watchdog. Can you talk a little bit of what this book is about? You bet. Lana Lynn is a very intrepid sheep. Uh, in the first book, Lana Lynn Howls at the Moon, she's um, kind of a sheep in wolf's clothing. Actually, she's literally a sheep in wolf's clothing. She has uh, desires that uh, go beyond the other sheep in the flock, and she wants to run wild and, at uh, night and howl at the moon. And she gets her chance to do that. But in the second one, the flock is going to get a new watchdog, and they're very excited about that. And so when a stranger comes out of the woods, she decides that this must be the new watchdog. And so she's going to train the watchdog to do everything he needs to do to keep the flock safe. And then hijinks ensue. 
Absolutely. <laughs> because the new watchdog is not really the new watchdog. It is a wolf coming out of the woods. Now, this is the second book that you wrote featuring uh, this character, uh, Lana Lynn. I'm wondering, where did this character, the inspiration for this particular character come from? You've heard of uh, sheep and wolf's clothing, or a wolf in sheep's clothing. This is a sheep in wolf's clothing. So I just kind of turned that little saying around and ran with it, decided what what would it be like for a sheep to wear a wolf's clothing? And why would a sheep want to do that? And, well, maybe the sheep is not as um, tame and boring as, as everyone thinks that sheep are. So her personality just kind of came out of there. And who's the illustrator for this book? Her name is Anka Sandu, and she is an amazing illustrator. I was so thankful to get her. And in the second one, she just continues to shine in her artwork. There's so many fun things to look for in, in the pictures. Now, I'm curious because I've talked to other people who are picture book writers who work with uh, illustrators um, who illustrate their books separately. And there's a lot of different sort of collaborative processes uh, going on. And I'm just wondering with with this, you've, you've worked with uh, this illustrator before on the, a book with the same character. And is there any sort of different process going into the second book since there's uh, like a, a, a sort of an idea of what characters look like in a certain style? Or is it you uh, provide the text and then uh, and she sort of uh, builds on what's there already? I'm just curious what that particular process and did it change from the first book to the second book? Um, in the first book, I think she did some sketching to see what what the character would look like. And, and uh, I got to take a look at some of her early sketches and they were so delightful. I was so happy to get her in the second book. She uh, and I both really had a handle on the character already. And so it was just like, let's just go nuts and put in a whole bunch of fun, other details about the character with words and with pictures. So was there that sort of back and forth between you and the illustrator or is it sort of just uh, bouncing ideas for each other and then seeing where it take took you? Every once in a while, I'd put a little illustrator note in the um, in the manuscript. But you know, that's the the brilliant part of a picture book is it's such a synergy between the words and the pictures between the author and the illustrator. So she puts in all these fun touches that are coming from her wonderful brain, and it's just so much fun to see the character come together. Is there a little bit of the book you can share with us? You bet. So I will start from the beginning. Lana Lynn was an intrepid sheep. She loved running through the wild woods at night. She loved howling at the moon. One morning as she returned to the meadow, the flock was in an uproar. Have you heard, her friend Sean called, we're getting a watchdog to guard the flock. Golly gee, I hope he's a good watchdog, Lana Lynn said. I hear there are wolves in these woods. That very afternoon, a stranger crept out of the wild woods. Lana Lynn bounded up to him. I know who you are, she said. You're here to watch the sheep, aren't you? The stranger nodded. Golly gee, I knew it, shouted Lana Lynn. You're our new watchdog. She grabbed his paw and pulled him over to Sean. Our new watchdog is here, she shouted. Sean looked at the new watchdog's yellow eyes and pointed teeth. Are you sure he's the new watchdog, Lana Lynn? Lana Lynn turned to the newcomer. You're here to take care of the sheep, aren't you? The stranger licked his lips and nodded. 
Fiddle Dee Dee, now don't be nervous. I'll train you, she said. So Lana Lynn and her friend Sean have some lessons for this newcomer that they think, maybe they don't think, maybe they know who it really is. And uh, hijinks ensue. Hmm. And you'll have to pick up the book to find out what happens next. Now, do you, this is the second, like I said, this is the second book with this character. Are you thinking that this is a, a character you would like to revisit in other books with um, other stories as well? She's so much fun to play with because she thinks that she's got a really good handle on things. And sometimes she does. And sometimes she just kind of lucks into um, a happy ending <laughs> with the help of her friend, Sean. So she's been a lot of fun to play with. I would love to play with her some more. Hmm. Do you keep like a, a notebook of potential story ideas or things that you jot down or just maybe just in your head, just think, oh, I could see this as a possibility or that sort of thing, just sort of a, a mental uh, checklist, just things that pop into your head? I do. I keep a notebook and, and uh, have some little ideas that would be fun to play around with too. Hmm. Now I'm wondering you 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 are uh, an elementary school teacher. What grade do you teach? I teach second grade. Second grade. I'm wondering that experience as a teacher, you know, uh, who work work with kids but also, you know, read books to kids. How, how has that um shaped you as a writer, somebody who writes for kids, you know, and picture books in particular, you know, that would be for this um age group. I always tell people who want to be children's book writers or illustrators First thing you need to do if you're going to be a good writer is be a good reader. And so read, 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 read. And so that's one of the things that I've done uh, over the course of my 30 mumble mumble years of teaching is um, I've read thousands of picture books. And you get to know what kind of books kids like, what kind of books speak to them, what kind of books kind of turn them down or turn them off. Um, and so it's... it's uh, a great thing to do if you are wanting to write for children is to read to children, read read picture books and read to children if you have a chance to do that. What would you say is the, I know there are all sorts of different things you want to keep in mind with a picture book, but what do you think is like the one thing that picture book writers should keep in mind when writing for kids to get their attention, to to keep them interested? Picture books, I would say, are probably harder to write than novels. They're shorter but um, it's like a good like a good whiskey. It has to be distilled down and down and down and down to get to the the very essence of the book, the very essence. Kids don't have a long attention span, some of them. And uh, so something short is good. Something that I've watched uh, the word count go from, oh, 1,500 words to 1,000 words to 800 words to now people say, oh, don't let your stories go over about 500 words or so because parents come home, they're tired, they're, they're uh, needing to read a story to their kids or they're wanting to read a story to their kids. And if it's a short book, they're more likely to pick it up than a longer book. That, you know, depending upon the families can be true or not true. But something that's really important is to distill the story down so that there's not a lot of extra words, but yet still, yet still using rich language. I th I've said many times on this podcast, I think uh, 
every writer, no matter what they write for, uh, they write for YA or write for adults, whatever genre, should take a hand at writing a picture book at least once. And even if they fail at it, I think they'll learn something about writing just going through the process of trying to, you know, create that very compact sort of story. I think you'll learn a lot about writing by trying to do that. It's, it's like you said, it looks very simple, but it's a lot harder than people realize. Picture books have the same story arc that, um, or story arc that um, novels do, but it has to happen faster and it has to happen more clearly because the audience is not quite as sophisticated as uh, maybe somebody who's in middle school or high school or an adult. And it still has to be that satisfying story arc. Oh, yeah. And you, you definitely have an audience in mind. You have to keep their attention, you know, keep them interested. So yeah. that, is a, that is a challenge, yes. That's one of the first questions I ask somebody who says, oh, I want to write for kids or I have this story. Would you look at it? Is um, that I ask them is, who's your audience? You know, who do you envision reading this book? You know, is it a four-year-old? Is it a five-year-old? Is it a 10-year-old? And uh, that kind of helps dial in their story. Now, the book you picked as your own particular favorite um, book for children is also a picture book, and it's called Ghost Cat, and it was written and illustrated, I believe, by Kevin Atterbury. I think I'm, yes. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh -huh. Now, this, yeah. is, this is a recent book. It was published in 2019, and this is a book I wasn't familiar with. So for other readers who are unfamiliar with Ghost Cat, you talk a little bit. It's a very short book, but can you explain basically what the book is about? That was such a hard question to say, what is your favorite book? <laughs> I sat down and within 20 minutes, I had probably 30 books that I could talk about. But I, um, I love Ghost Cat because it is short. It's simple. It's decepti deceptively simple, but it's also deep. I also am, am friends with the author and illustrator, and he is amazing. Did you get a chance to see it early on this particular book, or when's the when did you when you first encountered it? Uh, what was your reaction to it? His agent is, um, or he's part of my agency, um, so my agent and his agent are in the same uh, literary agency, and um, so I got a chance to hear this as a manuscript, just read aloud, and um, knowing the story, knowing the backstory, just I cried. It was so good. <laughs> it is a very emotional story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I understand that you've compiled a list of 10 reasons why you like this book. Is that something you'd like to share? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So this is the text of it. There's a ghost in my house. I've only seen it out of the corner of my eye, but I think it's a cat. I know, because I used to have one. There's a dash from the left. Or a dart from the right. It's always gone before I can really see it. Just a flash. Hiding somewhere nearby, I'm sure. Sometimes I hear it. Sometimes I feel it. But mostly it's a quick dark blur. Here and then not here. Often at night, I feel its weight. Its warmth. Its purring. When I look, it's gone. Today, I heard it mewing at my bedroom door. I was too slow to catch it. I heard the jangle of a cat toy bouncing down the stairs. I heard a thud in the den, a crash in the kitchen, a splash in the living room, and the picture for that is uh, an aquarium. Then, finally, I saw it and followed it to where it sat by the door, staring at me, purring, like my cat used to do when it wanted to go out. 
After a few moments, it turned and leapt right through the door. When I opened it, I found you, and there's a little small kitten on the doorstep. There is a ghost in our house. So um, one of the things I have people ask me is, oh, do you share your stories with with your kids as you're writing them? And I always say, no, not till they're illustrated, because so much of the the stories in the illustrations. And and that's the case, too, in this book, too, because um, Kevin is an amazing illustrator. And uh, this is one of his first books that he's at, he's uh, written the text. So I encourage him to keep going on that <laughs> because he's so good at it. <laughs> but here are my 10 reasons why I love Ghost Cat. The first one is because it's a picture book. And like we talked about, picture books are hard to write. They're like poetry, and it just the whole story needs to be stripped down and down and down till you get to the very marrow of it. So being a picture book author, I love picture books, and this is one of my favorites. Um, number two is it's short. It has 200 words, and it's a very simple storyline, so it's ideal for sharing with kids. Um, it's ideal for sharing with kids at bedtime or at a library story hour or in class. It's, it's good for kids, beginning readers to pick up. And the language is, is something that a second grader or beginning third grader could uh, handle on their own. It's, but it's an easy story to follow. Um, number three, that is Ghost Cat lends itself to a slow read. Just like, um, you know, fast food's not good for you, slow food is. <laughs> Slow reads are wonderful for you, especially for teachers because and, and parents who are uh, sharing literature with children. It really lends itself to discussion time, lots of discussion time. And uh, there's, there is a lot to discuss in here. And kids are making inferences. You know, is this cat that he's seeing real? Is that really a cat? Is there anything there? Um, do you think, who you know, who is the cat? Do you think? Do you think it's really his cat? Um, what do you think happened to the cat? So there's a lot of discussion uh, as you're reading this with kids and sharing this with kids. Um, number four, I think this book really lends itself to multiple reads. And uh, as teachers, if you can take a book and share it with kids and then share it multiple times, the more you read it, the more they get out of it, the more they comprehend, the more um, it builds comprehension in them. So there's lots and lots to notice as you're reading the story. The language is beautiful. The pictures are wonderful. There's deeper questions to ask. The first time that you, you read it, you can ask really simple comprehension questions like, who is this cat? Or, or you know, what, kind, what do you see behind the, the sofa? Things like that. You can use it for comparing and contrasting. Like I said, the kids make inferences all, the, all throughout the story. You can uh, talk about cause and effect in this book. Doing con uh, this book is ideal for connections, so they can. There's text to text connections where the kids are saying, "Oh, this reminds me of this book," or "I read this book once." Um, text to self connections. What what do you? What does this book remind you about? Text to their life connections. So, um, have you ever experienced something like that? Number five is the rich language in this book. The corner of my eye leapt. Those are 
words and phrases that they might not encounter, but there's not a lot of them. So, you, you know, they could just pull out those and talk about what is, what is the corner of my eye? I saw it out of the corner of my eye mean. It's good for uh, English language learners too, because they that figurative language doesn't always translate word for word. And so that's a good thing to pull out for kids who are learning English. The word leapt, you know, the past tense of leap is not leaped. <laughs> the word here and here, H-E-R-E and H-E-A-R. So there's there's a lot of language that you can pull out of there. Number six is the sensory language that um, he uses. Words about feeling and hearing and seeing. Um, he feels the weight and the warmth. He hears the purring and the mewing. He sees a flash, a dash, a dart, quick dart blur, dark blur. He's gone. Words like jangle and thud and crash and splash. All those are great words for sensory language. Uh, number seven reason that I love this book is it's like poetry. There's some rhyming words in here, dash and, and uh, splash and crash. Words that have assonance in them like thud in the den and crash in the kitchen and just other other words that you would hear in poetry onomatopoeia like splash and thud and so pulling out rhyming words and then the last line echoes the first line beautifully the first line is there's a ghost in my house and the last line when they're all the picture is they're all sleeping on the bed uh, the boy the ghost cat and the new kitten and then it says, there is a ghost in our house. And the boy has a smile on his face. There's only two times in this book that you see the boy smile, which brings me to number eight is the artwork. It's just, it's beautiful. It's simple. It's uncluttered, yet there's clues in there. So um, when you ask the kids, you know, who is this cat? There's on the top of the piano, there's pictures, photographs of the boy and this cat. And they both have big smiles on their faces. And so obviously this is the boy in happier days with his cat. And the rest of the time, you don't see the boy's mouth. So, um, and his eyes are big and wondering. And you can see a little, little curved line for his nose, but you really can't see his mouth until that very last picture when he's in bed and there's a smile on his face. And that's just so satisfying and cozy. Um, so beautiful artwork. Number nine is, this is really good for sharing stories. It's good for social-emotional learning, which is our big new thing in the classroom. You know, got to get the social-emotional um, learning in there. But it's really good for, for the kids to share their stories, too. And it, it's an open door for, did you ever have a pet that you loved? Did you ever lose a pet that you loved? Did you ever lose someone you loved? How did that feel like? And so I, I happened to share this with my class today. And Every child had something to say about the book to to make that connection between the book and their lives. And, and, you know, sometimes it was just my grandma has a cat. And sometimes it was last year we had a kitten and it got out on the road and it got hit by a car. And, and just it, we just kind of all kind of mourned that together. So it's a it's so good for social emotional learning and it's and for kids to um, be invited to share their own stories. And then number 10, I'm going to make you cry here because <laughs> I cried too, is the backstory of this book. Like I said, Kevin is a friend of mine. And a number of years ago, his wife developed early onset Alzheimer's. And 
he was such an amazing husband to walk that path with her. Um, she's since passed, but he did everything in his life, in his power to make her life wonderful as, as wonderful as he could. You know, I think of Kevin when I, whenever I'm at a wedding and they say for better or for worse in sickness and in health. And, you know, you, you see these young people and they, they really don't know what's in store for them in their lives, but it could be heartbreaking. And so after Terry died, I think the, the ghost is the, is her ghost and you know how she is still in his life but yet just like when you lose a pet being open to having another pet being open to to still be open to love is an amazing thing too so um, he loved well and you know I just hope that he continues to love well because he sure is loved he's an amazing guy well, thank you for sharing that um, that list, and I was not aware of that uh, the, the background story. Although, and thinking back in the book, um, you know the emotional weight it has. Um, you know that is written by somebody who has experienced these these sort of feelings of grief. In this case, it's a pet because you know it's directed towards a a younger audience and children's process, children process grief in very different ways than adults do. So um, I, I can de- definitely see the emotion where that emotional weight comes from. I, I was I was curious too. I didn't know there's something you notice. Um, we talk a lot about it being a very emotional. You know, the the boy goes through a lot of emotions. Although it's interesting, he never says he's feeling a certain way. He never says he's sad. He never says he's happy. He never describes his feeling. But it's always I don't know if it's clear, but you know, but th- you do definitely know that there are feelings being felt (laughs) uh, by this person, even though he doesn't tell us, I'm feeling this way right now. And that's, you know, some of the great inferences that kids are able to make when they're reading this book. And and, uh, they don't have to be told, the boy is sad. (laughs) The boy is happy to see a new kitten. (laughs) You just get the feeling. You feel feel all the feels. And you think when and you're having that conversation with your class, it's and they through their own uh, processing of, or sort of connecting with their own lives that uh, those feelings come out more or they're able to recognize it because they make those connections between things in their lives or see what somebody else is, is happening to their life, their own experiences. And that sort of helps to bring that out as well. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, kids process grief differently. And, and this is... Um, you know, they, they don't really, they don't know losing a spouse, but they do know losing a pet or losing something that they love or losing someone that they love. And, you know, some of them do have that experience where they've lost a parent or lost a grandparent. So now you think I was curious about this. You, you, you talked about your experience as a classroom teacher and using it with students. You think there's sort of a different approach a parent might use and and reading uh, to a child like a book like this, because um, it is, you know, obviously you're reading to a large group of children as opposed to your own. Uh, you think that's a, a different sort of approach a parent would take in reading this book or talking about it with their own oh, kids? Oh, you bet, yeah. That's the beauty of, of um, you as a parent reading to your child is that you know your child so well, and you know their life and 
most likely at this point in their lives, you know everything that's happened to them pretty much. <laughs> and so it can be read on different levels. It can be read as like a story of uh, the boy that lost a lost a cat, but now look, he's got a new kitten. It's wonderful, the end. Or it can be, you know, if you know your child has gone through some loss, how do you think he's feeling and talking, you know, talking about those deeper feelings? So um, I would encourage parents to meet their kids where they are. And if it works on one level or works on a deeper level, and this is for any book, you know, share, share books together because that is such an amazing way to connect with your child and, and teach your child about things in, in the world, um, even if they've never gone through them. You know, even if the child's never had somebody or even a pet that they've lost, you know, to, to uh, use this as an opportunity to build empathy. How do you think he's feeling? How would you feel if you were, you know, if this happened to you and... And uh, what do you think his friend could do for him if, if he had a friend? And and uh, so you can take it as deep as you want to go as a parent or just leave it as a, a 200-word read. <laughs> and sometimes it can be as simple as sometimes it's just okay to feel things. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm wondering, I, I talk about this sometimes um, when I have uh, people on talking about picture books um, in that um, I know – Picture books definitely have a focus on younger children, but when I, I taught middle school, I would use them sometimes with older kids. And do you see a, a value in a book like this and using it as a tool of some kind with older kids or even adults just sort of as a way to enter in a conversation? Absolutely, absolutely. One of my favorite things to do is use picture books with older kids because, uh, and I can and uh, recommend picture books for like uh, English teachers and librarians, and um, because they're short and they can really be dissected in an English class, or they can be, um, you know, that social emotional learning. You can you can bring out a lot of different different feelings and from books. So I am so happy to hear people using picture books with older people as well as younger people. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's a great resource that isn't probably used often enough. Well, Rebecca, um, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to talk to me both about uh, your own book, Alana Lynn and the New Watchdog, and uh, also to talk to me about Ghost Cat, which I haven't had a chance to read. And now that you've, you've talked to me about it and actually given me a, a little bit more insight into the book and where it came from, I'm going to have to go read it again, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's a wonderful book. But again, thank you for taking the time uh, to, to uh, talk to me about both of things tonight. It's been a pleasure to meet you and talk with you. I love talking about children's books and picture books especially. You can find Rebecca's website at RebeccaVanSlyke.com. Thank you for joining me on Dream Gardens. The theme music titled All Together is provided courtesy of Purple Planet Music. You can visit them at www.purpleplanet.com. Podcast cover art was created through Canva, which can be found at www.canva.com. You can find the Dream Gardens podcast website at jleemott.com and my author website at jodyleemott.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at dreamgardensjlm. The Dream Gardens podcast is available through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please comment, share, or subscribe. And until next time, 
Keep dreaming, keep growing, and keep reading. Reading.